So be a playmaker. It's Super Bowl Sunday, and what a horrible time of year to be on a diet, right? Every aisle of the store is prominently lined with brightly colored bags of chips and snacks of all kinds, and I don't recall ever seeing so many pizza commercials on television in my entire life until I decided I probably shouldn't be doing that anymore. And statistically, uh, New Year's resolutions, they last about a month, so that's around Super Bowl weekend. Is that a coincidence? I don't know. I don't know. But whether you're a sports enthusiast or not, you likely know this scenario. Time's about to expire. The players of the free throw line with two shots to make. I don't play basketball, so I'll do the best I can. The first would tie the game, right? The second would win the game. And that's a lot of pressure. And depending on the importance of the game, uh, that particular game, the moment can make that person famous one way or the other, right? And I guess we should be talking more about football today in light of the big game this evening. And the Kansas City Chiefs, they have this habit of making exciting games where they make, uh, well, they're unnecessarily close. Uh, only have the, a full game's worth of playing and effort decided by a field goal or less. You know, it's great for, uh, great for the excitement level, but the results aren't always what we want them to be. You know, there are a lot of NFL kickers whose likeliness, likeless, likenesses, there are a lot of NFL kickers whose likenesses have been praised or burned in effigy as a result of that single play. So if the kick was successful, which player won the game? Let's be fair, they all did, right? If the final score was 41 to 40, for example, then every point that was scored contributed to the victory, just like every potential point that was defended did as well. If a different person or persons hadn't made their play earlier in the game, these three points wouldn't make a difference at all. But history seems to only remember the individual and his last minute single contribution. Now, I don't want to over-talk this football analogy, so I hope you can see and understand that every part, every player and their contribution plays a role in how well the team performs. And that's why I titled this message, Be a Playmaker. This Sunday and next, we're going to talk about the importance of your individual role in the victories won for Jesus. Whether you take the role of a missionary, bringing the good news of salvation to a faraway land, or you are simply living a life that serves as a quiet example to others, you are playing an important part. And this week we're going to focus on the second type of role, which I'm going to assure you right now is anything but passive. I spoke last year about um, and described this active posture, uh, where you may be seemingly doing very little, yet there's quite a bit going on in your relative stillness. Do you remember there was a yoga pose, the mountain pose, where you just look like you're standing there, and you're just kind of tense and ready, or the softball players that were out in the field, one was had their hands on the hips, and the other one had the ball and the glove ready, and, and there's this active posture, even if you're doing nothing, that, but you're ready. Mark 16, 15, Jesus gave instructions, and we refer to these instructions as the Great Commission. He says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. It says, go, go. It just doesn't mean to leave or to travel. It means to do. We talked about this concept the past few Sundays in regards to our faith. We must put it into action. James 2, 14 through 17 asks, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, 
if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It says accompanied. Accompanied faith without action is of little value. But action without faith, that is no better. You ever hear someone say, I'm with you in spirit? What does that mean? How helpful is that? I mean, it's nice that you're thinking about me, but if I'm going for an IRS audit and you're with me in spirit, wonderful. <laughs> right? But it says, it says go, do, act. But if everyone, if everyone were to literally go to far off lands, who would be left to minister to those right here? We know there are spiritual needs in this area. We see them every day and we pray for them every week. And whether you leave or you stay, if you aren't engaging your faith through some sort of action, the Bible asks, what good is it? Revelations warns us about being lukewarm. Do you remember when I spoke on it? I said we were meant to be more than just meh. We weren't meant to just be there, just be meh. And if you don't think a missionary life is the right one for you, and it's not necessarily for everybody, I want to tell you that you already live one. Whether you intend to or not, you are a missionary. You see, when you leave this building on Sundays, walking through those doors, you enter a mission field that starts right here. Every time that you choose to respond to a circumstance with faith, every time that you choose to face a situation with hope, every time that you choose to look at someone or something as God sees them, every time you invite someone to church, and certainly every time you share your story, the reason for the hope you have, you are making a play. You are a living example, making a difference for God's kingdom. Now, I've shared with you many times that I have a love of music, and it serves as much more than just background noise or entertainment to me. I particularly enjoy discovering new songs or artists, and sometimes I'll be sitting at my desk during the week with the music down very low, and I'll hear a tune I can't hear fully, so I turn it up a notch or two. And then I hear words a little better, and I can tell there's some beauty to it, but I don't quite understand what's being said. So I lean in just a little closer so I can understand the lyrics. Now I found myself doing this earlier this week, and I realized that there's an epitome, this is an epitome of how we should live. If there is a beauty and a peacefulness to us, people will take notice. If there is a loveliness to our words and actions, people will lean a little closer and try to understand and relate, even if they're just doing it subconsciously. This echoes last week's message where we talked about the value in coveting someone's faith or in someone coveting ours. Remember that this type of covet doesn't mean that we want less of this glorious faith for them. Rather, we want more of it for ourselves. And we titled this message, Live Like That. We wanted to live like that. So speaking of music, I select the hymns we sing with intention. This morning we, sing, we sang, He Leadeth Me. And guide me, O thou great Jehovah. See, we need his guidance in our lives, not just in times of desperation and need, but equally in times of abundance. Because it's in these times that we are more likely to become self-reliant and oblivious to his work in our life. And we also sing, Make Me a Blessing. This song of worship reflects our prayer that God would use us for his good. I'm going to look at the words for just a minute here. Out on the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad right? Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life, make Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. 
It says, tell the sweet story of Christ and his love. Tell of his power to forgive. Others will trust him if only you prove true every moment you live. You know, people are watching us. And they see how we act and we respond. Now, we're human. We claim no secret power over being completely right and good all the time. We are made righteous through grace and forgiveness. But if we tell this story and we tell about this power to forgive, it's a powerful message. And it goes on and says, Give as twas given to you in your need. Love as the master loved you. Be to the helpless a helper indeed. Unto your mission be true. And our mission is to reach out to everyone. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. Did those words have meaning when you sang them this morning? I hope they did. I hope they do. And I hope the writer's message didn't get lost. See, this morning's scripture, remember, tells us these words. You can be sure that whatever or whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person. And there are many ways to bring someone back. It may be as simple as giving them encouragement to turn towards God or it may take some effort to help them find the path that they've wandered from it. Whatever your role in this opportunity, take it. And don't be so caught up in looking for a stranger to save that you overlook that person who may be quietly need your support or accountability. They may be right next to you. We take time each Sunday morning to lift up the joys and prayer concerns, not just our own, but also those of others, of people in the community whose issues we may be familiar with. Or maybe we were even directly asked to do so. You'll often hear me include these words, God, put someone in their life who will keep them encouraged and turn towards you. Are you that person to someone else? I mean, shouldn't we be? Maybe all we need to do, maybe all you need to do is invite someone to church. Introduce them to a congregation of your friends that will welcome them. Give them a safe place once a week to encounter God and then watch what he does with it. Make me a blessing. Be a playmaker. And if there's someone that you've invited but they always have an excuse or maybe they just outright say no, don't be discouraged. The, the kind act of inviting may mean more to that person than you know. And did you know that on average a person is often invited seven times before they finally accept? Do you know the statistic? And, and you, you know, I'm not saying abuse it. Don't badger them like you know the kids. Like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? You never get there faster. Everybody has a story. I can see the grids. Jaden, Jada, was that you? Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. You ready to go to church? You ready to go to church? You ready to go to church? You just offer the invitation. Okay, and, and I love our church, and it's probably not for everyone. Obviously, it's not for everyone. We don't have everybody here, but, but it's a wonderful place, and they need to find a place where they can seek God and be surrounded by friends. Now, we talked about the importance in my football analogy of every point, every play, counting in the overall victory for Jesus. You may not always be the one who gets the wit to witness the win because you were the seventh person. You were not the seventh person that invited him. But your effort as the third or fifth may have set up what happened later. So Galatians 6, 9 gives us these words of encouragement. It says, never become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You heard me say this before, I love God's plans, they've always been awesome, but his timing I have issue with. 
but says never get weary, never get tired or bored or frustrated or discouraged because at the proper time, and who determines the proper time? It's God. And in his time, he will reap the harvest if we do not give up. But I want to close this message with a quote, and it reads this. I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. What I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. So friends, I'm asking you, be a playmaker and be a blessing. Let's pray. Father God, we love that we have your example through scripture, not only of Jesus, but of the disciples and the apostles and prophets and many, many, many people through history that are recorded in the Bible and many, many more since that time that serve an example of what it means to be a minister, to be a missionary, to be a person of faith. God, help us to recognize that we don't have to be the one that gets the final point or scores the most, you know, noticeable play, that we each have a role and it all works in your plan. God, we are thankful that Jesus, his work, his play did not end just with his birth or when he had his disciples or when he worked a particular miracle or when he died or when he was resurrected. He is still making plays to this day on our behalf. God, we thank you for that that we have someone on your side, at your side, intercessing, interceding for us. God, we thank you for the valuable lessons and stories we continue to learn through the scripture. And we thank you for the people in our lives that, that live in such a way that we say, wow, that person is so happy and joyful and, and more importantly at peace. I want what they have. I want to live like that. God, help us to be that person to someone else. Let us, through our faith and the way we live it out in this world, let us be an example. God, as every Sunday, I just want to thank you again for this building. All that have built it and contributed to it over the years. That we have a warm and safe place where we can come amongst friends and invite friends and seek you. God, I love the fellowship that we have here. Continue to bless us. And as we have spaces in the pews, help us to be welcoming and inviting. God, these plays matter because all of the wonderful ways that you're going to work in a person's life can go back to the original decision to accept you. They may go back to a decision to accept an invitation or to ask a question of someone just like us. God, help us, like the song says, may you shine through us. Help us to be playmakers. Help us to make a difference in your kingdom. And we give this service to you. Amen. This being the first Sunday of the month, we have the tradition of celebrating communion. And communion is not just incredible because of the symbolism and not just because of the historical um, representation of breaking the bread of the Last Supper and, and drinking, uh, drinking the wine um, which represents Christ's blood. But what it is, it's, it's communion.
communion. It's a time to commune. It's a time to reflect and be quiet. And we just take a few minutes just to sometimes think, sometimes just to sit, sometimes to listen. Whatever communion looks like, it's very, very personal. But this church celebrates open communion, so all are welcome to come. And what happened, what we represent, what we celebrate, was on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he sat with his disciples, and he took a loaf of bread, and he gave thanks for it. And he broke the bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. He said, take it, eat it. And in a similar way, he gave thanks. And I love that. He gave thanks. And all he did, and he said, this is my blood. And he said, it represents the new covenant, the new promise between God and man. So what was going to happen next was he was going to die for our sins, not just the sins of those 12 people at that table, but for every person ever after that that accepted him, grace covers it. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't try to be good Christians and make great choices and do all these things that honor God. That's not how it works. But it just says God knows that life has struggles. It has temptations. It has things to overcome. And he says, fear not, I'll overcome the world. I even overcome death. So follow me and let me bless you. Terry, would you come up and serve with me? Becky, would you? Click on the next slide. Again, I've got a, a song to play. It's called Revive Us Again by Jeremy Camp. There um, we go. Please come forward. Yeah. 
revive me according to your loving kindness. Not according to what we deserve, not according to what we want, what we need, but according to his loving kindness, which it's more than we could imagine, is exactly what we need. So God, I want to, let's pray. I want to thank you for this awesome example, this time of communion, the words that we seek to help put a message to this time. God, forgive us of our sins. Revive us according to your loving kindness. Let us act and behave in a way that honors you. And God, forgive us when we fall short and then revive us again. Amen.